Tonight we're going to look at the rest of chapter 5 and Mark. And if you have the Bible, let's look together at that. We get to hear the rest of the story. I'll start verse 21 and read through the end of the chapter. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but actually grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, the girl got up and began walking. For she was about 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Isn't that cool? Let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord, we have enjoyed being in your creation today and being together. It's fun to be at this place. It's fun to rest. It's fun to play. It's fun to sing to you. It's fun to express our thanks to you for who you are, uh, whether we've come here and been distraught or struggling or whether we've come uh, with a full heart. It's, it's good to meet new people. It's good to be with people. It's good to praise you. So God, as we, uh, as we look at this passage and the rest of this chapter, again, would you 
would you help us? Um, would you act on us? Um, with your power, would you remind us that this is a story about real life and real people and real situations and real events and real change? And would you remind us that it's really our story? Real events, real life, real problems, and real change. Thank you for giving us this to stay together. Strengthen and bless us for your glory's sake. Amen. As you can tell tonight, we're going to look at the last half of the chapter. So I'd like to do the same thing tonight that I did this morning. You did? You ready to just dive right into the story? Is that all right? All right. Where did Jesus end up at the end of the last story? At the last story, remember? What did he what did he do? Big thing that he did. Come on. What? He cast a guy, he healed a guy. God wanted to go with him, and Jesus said, Jesus said, stay. Jesus then after that immediately gets in the boat and he goes to the other side, back to where he came from. Upon his arrival back on the other side, there was a massive crowd of people waiting for him. And they were all around him. It was like this coronation of sorts. You know, like everybody was just waiting on the shore for him. He gets out of the boat on the other side, and he begins to walk around on shore. And there's this guy named Jairus. And he's a leader in the synagogue. That means that he held some type of, uh, maybe, maybe you might say like he was an officer in the church. He was looked up to as a spiritual leader. And in the midst of this crowd, he comes up to Jesus and falls down. You ever been so overwhelmed that you fell down? I mean, like so, you feel like there's some huge weight on you. Something unexpected. Sometimes it starts with, you hear this news and you just, you know, you might burst out in tears. Or you might think to yourself, oh my, I just got to get my shoes on and start running. If you're like me, when this kind of stuff happens, what I like to do is get in my car and just drive. I don't know where I'm going. I just need space. You know what I mean? We, we, we express when we get overwhelmed in different ways. But if something is overwhelming us enough, we actually really will collapse. Maybe you've had that happen before. I have. Jairus comes up to Jesus and he just falls down. In the midst of this crowd, can you imagine how strange that would have been? He just falls down on the ground, and he made this scene. He fell at Jesus' feet, and he says, in a moment of desperation, because he's desperate, he's desperately crying out to Jesus, Jesus, you've got to come to my house. My daughter, she's 12, we find that out in verse 42. She's about to die. She's really sick, and you can heal her. Please come with me. we got to go. There's hardly any more compelling circumstances of life than seeing someone that you love who's hurting or struggling, and there's nothing that you can do. Right? Someone that you've known, someone that you've loved, and you know how much they're struggling and hurting, and there's nothing you can do. I'll give you one quick story from my own life. My son is with me this weekend. His name's Owen. He's probably back there hiding behind somebody. He's 11. Well, when Owen was about 19 months old, uh, after worship one Sunday, um, he was having 
pretty severe allergic reactions. And so, you know, we gave him Benadryl because we knew he had uh, pretty severe allergies because he was born with all kinds of stuff. And his allergies got worse and worse. You know, when you're 18, 19 months old, 20 months old, you're not really all that responsive anyway. You know, you're not going to have a conversation with your parents. You know what I mean? You might, you might smile and coo and get up and try to walk around a little bit, but you're not going to do much of verbalizing. Hey, Dad, uh, I didn't like lunch today. Like, you're not going to hear that stuff. Well, he was just getting more and more lethargic, like frightening. I basically threw him in the back of my truck and just floored him to the hospital. Got into the hospital, and he was, he had been, he was given um, a peanut butter cookie. He has a horrific allergy to peanuts. We didn't know that. No one told us that he had the, the cookie. If we had known that, we would have gone a lot earlier, you know? So here we are at the hospital. We're in the emergency room. My son is 20 months old, roughly. And the doctor comes in the room to look at my son. And at that point, Owen was swollen, like everything about him. His eyes were almost swollen shut. His arms were huge. He was like one big hive. He was just blood red everywhere. And the doctor comes in the door, and he takes one step inside of Owen's room, and he says, oh, yeah, he's having an allergic reaction. He turned around and go out. I was like, hey, back over here. I was like, get your butt over here. That doesn't happen. I don't usually do that to people, just so you know that. But when it's your child and when you're desperate and there's nothing that you can do for someone that you love, desperately love, and you know that they are hurting and they might even die. I thought Owen was going to die. I can't tell you what all was running through my head at that time. I was just desperate. And I told the doctor to get over here. And he did. Probably shouldn't have done that. It was probably rude to him. But I didn't feel like he was doing his job. And the doctor came over and he went up spending a day and a half in the hospital. And obviously Owen lived. So that's good. But just as an example, you understand what it's like to be in situations in which you're desperate and you don't know what to do. And you'll do things that you wouldn't normally do. This guy comes at Jesus' feet and falls down. Jesus, come and heal my daughter. Well, verse 24 tells you that Jesus started going with Jairus to Jairus' house. And the crowd was larger. It was thicker. It was more dense. There were more and more people. And in the midst of this crowd, Jesus was trying to find his way through the crowd. And in the midst of going through the crowd, something happens. There's a woman that's there. And she had heard about Jesus. And she had a serious issue. And she thought to herself, I've heard about this Jesus. If I can just sneak up behind him. You ever been to a concert and try to do this? You know, the, the person you have seen like walking around or something? You know? I've never done anything like that. Maybe you have. And she sneaks up behind Jesus and she just touches him. And Jesus can tell that something has happened. He knew that some power had left him. And he turns around. Just picture this, all right? He turns around in the middle of this massive crowd. He was already trying to fight through it and follow Jairus. And he turns around this massive crowd. He's like, who touched me? 
And his disciples are like, are you serious right now? Like, you see all these people around Jesus? Are you serious? You're really going to ask us who touched you? Really? I mean, you got to get the humor of this. you got to get into the story. Jesus says, who in the world touched me? And, and you know what happens? The woman comes forward. She comes to Jesus. And look at verse 33. What does it say? She told the whole truth. Now, there's something I want to ask you tonight. This is one of those places we're just going to dive in for a real quick moment. Have you ever done that? Have you ever told someone the whole truth? Yeah, think hard. Think real hard. In your life, have you ever told someone the whole truth? Have you divulged it all, just unloaded? That's what this woman did. Don't live your life without telling the whole truth. Because all that happens is you'll just pile pain on top of pain on top of pain. This lady laid her soul bare. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. Not that we're going to go down this road too far, but ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Do you imagine bleeding for 12 years? 144 months? 4,830 days straight? She was ostracized spiritually. No one wanted to be around her because of this issue that she had. She was ostracized socially. It was very embarrassing. She was uncomfortable. People would have avoided her at all costs. And if that doesn't make the story that much more gripping and compelling, when you look at verse 25 and 26, it's, it's, it's not that she was resistant to going to doctors. She went to physicians. She went to everybody she could. She spent all of her money. And she lost everything. And the doctors didn't make anything better. The text tells you that it actually made things worse. Here she is coming to Jesus. She had spent all that she had. And she thought, if I just touch his garment, I am going to be healed. He can do this. Of course she was right. Do you know why Jesus stopped her? He was going after her heart. Do you know why Jesus wants you to tell the whole truth? Because he's going after your heart. He's telling us this story because he's showing us that he goes after our hearts. He goes deep. He's not concerned about this surface stuff. Jesus is interested in drawing faith out of her. You realize that the Bible teaches that faith is a gift. Jesus knows exactly what's happened. And it's almost like Jesus can smell faith. He's like, I know something's happened here. And he calls her out because he wants to go deep and he wants to reach in and he wants to pull out of her the truth that she believes. See, Jesus isn't miracle crazy. He goes deep. 
And he summons her and he calls her out so that she can know that she believed. He wanted her to know, look, a person healed you, not my garment. Faith is only as strong as the object that it rests in. I'm sure you've heard that before. Living in the mountains, you all that live in the mountains know this, you're susceptible to storms and like losing power. And we lived about an hour and a half from here in the mountains in the middle of the National Forest where Western Carolina was. We lived about three miles, 3.5 miles from campus. And there would be these big storms that would come up and often we would lose power. And there was one time we lost power for like three or four or five days. And we had to get in our car and we had to drive to Asheville. Stay with some friends. Actually, we ended up staying in a hotel. We got to visit with friends and all that kind of stuff until our power came back on. When you got little kids, you can't just rough it, you know? You got to feed them. And especially with the needs of our son with food and everything, like, you know, we had to get somewhere quick. So staying in a hotel, I'm sure you've done this before. You know, going to the hotel and uh, going in the elevator, the door shut. And there's that, there's that picture that's on every elevator that I've ever seen in North Carolina. Sure. You got it. You got it. But my point in telling you that story is that my faith didn't take me to the third floor. Sherry did. Sherry I want you to understand that faith is only as strong as the object that it rests in. Jesus wanted her to know, look, I'm the one that did this. Your faith is in me. Your faith is not in faith. Your faith is not in your works. Your faith is in me. I'm the one that healed you. I'm the one that you tell the whole truth to. I'm the one that can tell that you believe. I'm actually the one that gave you faith. That's what Hebrews says. And in your life, you're going to have circumstances that are, that are really challenging. And Jesus is going to smell that faith. And you're going to think it's weak, and it is. But the truth is, Jesus is going to pull it out of you. And he's going to strengthen your faith. And the result will be that you trust him more. You trust him more. Then, Jesus calls her daughter. Did you catch that in verse 34? Listen to this. And he said to her, daughter, whoa. I want you to think about that. He calls her daughter. That must, don't forget now, that must have ripped Jairus up. Right? Like he was first in line, wasn't he? Like he's the one that came to Jesus and just fell down. He's like, you got to heal my daughter. She's going to die. And as Jesus went to follow Jairus, this other thing happened. And, and to her, the woman that he just healed, he said, daughter. Jairus is over there. Well, what about my daughter? What about my daughter, Jesus? <coughs> and at that moment, some of those from Jairus' house came and they said those four words that no parent ever wants to hear. Your daughter is dead. If Jairus was desperate when he first came to Jesus and fell down, I can only imagine what would have been going on in his heart here. 
Jesus, what are you doing? How could you stop and make this big scene? How could you call this other woman daughter? Now my daughter is dead. If you had just come with me, if you had just come with me, and when they gave Jairus this message, your daughter is dead, they're like, don't trouble Jesus anymore. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. She's beyond hope now. Well, Jesus didn't think that the story was over. There are going to be times when you think the story is over and Jesus is far from done with you. Jesus continued to the house. He brought his close companions with him. And he was challenging Jairus. And he was saying, Jairus, in verse 36, don't fear, just believe. Believe, Jairus. Jesus entered Jairus' house. People were ridiculing Jesus. Look at verse 40. This is not that LOL thing, you know? This is like that, uh, like, oh, what's he doing here? <laughs> Ooh. Like it's that nervous laugh. You ever notice that laugh that you do? You know, something really awkward happens and you're like, eh. <laughs> and you just try to walk away. I mean, here they are ridiculing Jesus. Verse 40, listen. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Jesus speaks to her in really simple language, verse 41. He just says, little girl, it's time to get up. Little girl, arise. There's no magic. Jesus has that much power. He can speak and stuff's going to happen. Two things that I want you to know from this text. That's the story. That's what goes on. That's the broad sweeping strokes of the story. Two things I want you to take away. The first one is this. Don't wait to come to Jesus. Don't wait to come to Jesus. You are going to have reasons to doubt your whole life. And I'm talking to those of you who believe and those who don't believe. Both of you. Don't wait to come to Jesus. There are going to be obstacles your whole life. See if some of these obstacles don't connect with you. Jairus, he was a leader in the local church. He was someone who rubbed shoulders with the Pharisees and the other religious leaders. And you know what the other religious leaders thought of Jesus? They wanted to already, they were planning to try to kill him. If you look in chapter 3 and verse 6, it tells you that. Jairus was rubbing shoulders with other people who wanted to kill Jesus. They thought Jesus was a problem, and they were the religious leaders. And Jairus was rubbing shoulders with them without question. They would have told Jesus, they would have told Jairus, just leave this Jesus guy alone. He's a problem. He's a threat. He's trouble. Don't go to Jesus at all, Jairus. Stay away from him. Jairus would have had all kinds of pressure to stay away from Jesus. Sound like familiar obstacles? Here's another one. What about the woman? Think about all of her obstacles in coming to Jesus. Embarrassment. Pride. Her image. 
Another obstacle for the swollen would have been her past. It certainly was her present. You see, the secret is out. We don't have it all together. You don't, and I don't. We don't have it all together. Don't wait to come to Jesus. The second thing I want you to know is this. Sometimes Jesus makes you wait. Twelve, time, twelve years is a long time to wait to be healed, isn't it? Twelve years. Just looking at the issues in your life, how long has it been? Has it been a long time? Sometimes Jesus makes you wait. And sometimes things might actually get worse before they get better. And in those moments when things are getting worse, when you think they ought to be getting better, the temptation is for you and for me to blame Jesus. But what Jesus is doing in those moments is that he's teaching us that he alone is enough. And there's a whole lot that he has to strip away from us for us to understand that. And here's the other thing. Sometimes Jesus makes you wait, but I'll give you this promise. Again, review. Sometimes you're going to get worse before you get better. But the promise that I have for you from this text is that Jesus will always do more than what you thought was possible. The woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years, right? She just wanted the blood to stop. You know what Jesus says to her? Go in peace. What he gives her is shalom. What he gives her is wholeness. She just wants to stop bleeding and Jesus says, no, I'm your Savior and you believe in me. And now you are made whole, not just in body, but in soul. What about the little girl? Jairus wanted his little girl healed, right? Jesus does far more. He actually raises her from the dead. It's called resurrection. You see, both these things are exactly what Jesus does to us and for us. You see, no matter where you are in the midst of your struggle and waiting, or not waiting, Jesus is going to make you whole. And one day, he's coming back. And you know what he's going to do then? He's going to grab you by the hand. And he's going to say, live. And you're going to be raised from the dead. And you're going to live forever. That's what the gospel brings to you. That's what the gospel brings to me. So this weekend we're looking at the four things that you can't live without. You can't live without a father's voice. You can't live without knowing where 
You belong. Knowing your place, whichever way you want to say. And you can't really live without understanding the progress of waiting. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are good. We have sung tonight that your heart is kind. And we thank you for telling us and showing us through this text that we shouldn't wait to come to your son. That we should recognize our obstacles. That our obstacles are not unique to us individually. They're shared. And that we should also know that sometimes you make us wait. And sometimes in our lives things get worse before they get better. But in the end, you will always do far more than we could ever imagine. You will make us whole. And you will resurrect us to new life. Help us to know, Lord, in our own experience, the progress of waiting. Because none of us like to wait. Help us to trust and to keep coming to you. And to keep trusting and believing, knowing that the future is certain. In Jesus' name, amen.